0: And so this month we're looking at what biblical quitting looks like. And that is when you finally say no more, I'm going to stop pretending, I'm going to allow God by his Holy Spirit to transform my life. So what does it mean to quit those things that are damaging, to to your very life and to your very soul. Let's review. So week one, I had some good news and I had some bad news for you. The good news was for some of you, you will take into your very being what God's word says and experience the life-changing and life-transforming power of the word of God. The bad news was that there will be some of you who will find all sorts of excuses Excuses why not to apply the teaching of God's word to your life. And for some, you'll have a whole list of excuses. So the one takeaway, the one take home from last week, sorry, from week one would be this. Think about what could be different in your life and in the lives of those around you if you would quit making excuses. Excuses. Don't come with good ideas, but come with God ideas, ideas and thoughts centered around the lordship and the kingship of God, around his power and around his glory. Do what you can do and trust God to do what you cannot do. Now, In week two, the thoughts and ideas that I wanted you to take away and take home and think about through the week are Quit Complaining. Because complaining will cost you a lot. Complaining does offend the heart of God. A critical spirit will also cost you significantly, both spiritually and physically. It will drive other people away from you and, God forbid, from the church as well. Because having a critical spirit or a complaining spirit is like having spiritual bad breath. If that's the only thing you remember... Take that one, okay? So let's get into this week's message. If you are like most people, there's a pretty good chance that you're battling one or many different fears throughout your life. Now, sadly, many of us are living in fear and anxiety, or at least with a fear and and some sort of anxiety. Studies show that as babies, we are only afraid of two things. So naturally, we only have two fears when we come into this world, the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. These are the only two fears that we are born with. But as we grow, we accumulate all sorts of different learnt fears and anxieties. Many of us now realise that in the early years of our lives, we started to become afraid of some new things. For example, we became afraid of the dark. The boogeyman became a real fear. Is there anyone who's afraid of spiders? Come on. You're afraid of being afraid of spiders. How many about afraid of thunderstorms? Where, where, the, where, where, where you ran to mummy and daddy in the bedroom and slept with them because of the loud stormy nights. One of my irrational fears that I find very rational, by the way, <laughs> that, follows me, that followed me into my adulthood is where I walk into a bathroom and the shower curtain is closed across the bathtub. That's scary because there could be some kind of freak behind that shower curtain that's ready to pounce on me. To this day, I can't walk into a bathroom with a closed shower curtain. And my wife, Giselle, has capitalised on that rational fear regularly. <laughs> Whenever we've travelled and stayed in hotel rooms or motel rooms, there is, there is an inevitably, there's a shower and a bathtub and there's a curtain across it. Once I, was, once I violently pull back that shower curtain and look for the freak behind it, after that I'm okay. I can get into that shower and I can have a shower. But while in the shower with the curtain closed, Giselle would creep in into the shower and grab me through the shower curtain. And every time I'd squeal like a little girl because it scares the snot out of me. All of us take on these different kinds of fears as we go through life, don't we? So let's look at four of life's most common fears. As we go through these, I want you to mentally tick the box against one of those that might apply to you. And then listen to God's word in light of those fears. So one of the first of life's most common fears is the fear of loss. The fear of losing something that's important to you. If you're married, you may be afraid of losing your spouse. It could be something that weighs on you. For those who are parents, at, at some point you have felt the fear of losing a child or something t- that might happen to that child. Or maybe it's the fear of financial loss. I, I'd hate to lose my job or, or, or lose uh, this investment Or maybe a place where financially I can't hold it together. Maybe it's something like that. For some, it might be the fear of losing control, keeping everything the way that you want it. There's no giggles. I can't hear any giggles. (laughs) And if you're not in control, you're afraid and anxious and we all feel that. How many would identify with one or some of those examples that you have feared losing something important to you? If that's you, tick a mental box. Just tick a mental box. Another common fear that many of us battle is the fear of failure. This one pushes my hot buttons as well. The feeling of inadequacy. We want to do something, but we're afraid that we won't win the game. We're just afraid that we can't participate or win that game. Maybe it's about starting a business or going back to school or doing a college course or or reaching out to someone or you're convinced yourself you probably haven't got what it takes. And so you're you're paralysed at one point or another by the fear of failure. How many would say that you've battled with that at one point or another in your life. If that's you, mentally just tick your box and acknowledge that that's a real fear. Many of us have battled with this one. That's the fear of rejection, the fear of someone close to you that will will leave you, whether it'll be a spouse or a partner or a friend. But what gets a lot of people paralysed is a people-pleasing mindset. A fear of rejection that consumes you with the thought of wanting everyone to like you. It could be the way that you wear your hair. It could be the way that you walk or the way that you talk or the clothes that you buy or the car that you drive or the job that you have. It comes down to this one fearful thought, am I important enough for others? So we can go through life worrying about what people are going, uh, uh, go through life worrying that people will reject us, and we fear rejection. So how many would say at one point or another that has been true for you? If that's true, just tick a mental box. There's one more common fear, and that's the fear of the unknown. What would happen if one day? i got a terminal illness. What if I lost my job? What's going to happen in the future? Some people are stuck in a bad situation, possibly an abusive situation, and they're like, they'd like to step out of that, but they're so afraid of the unknown that they will stay in a bad situation rather than venture out. The flip side is that life is going great and there's a fear that something bad is, co- is going to happen and the rug is going to get ripped out and pulled out from underneath everything. And you think with all the good things that are going on, surely something bad is going to happen before long. How many would say, I'm afraid of the unknown and if you have if you are and you are right now or you have been, just tick that box. And if you've ticked all four of those boxes, well, I'm afraid for you now. Seriously, a lot of us battle these different kinds of fears and we go through life living afraid. We're paralyzed by fear. But what does the Bible say? We, we, we heard it read to us. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Fear is not from God. Fear is from the enemy of your soul. God, our Heavenly Father, the source of all, the all-knowing, The ever-present, the all-powerful God has not given us a spirit of fear. But so many of us are consumed with it. We are always worried. We are always anxious. We are always overwhelmed, living paralyzed by something that God did not give us. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love And of a sound mind. Because fear is not from God, that is why I quit living in fear. And by the same power and love, I pray that you will quit living in fear as well. Now, some people say that fear is the opposite of faith. Technically, that is not true. The opposite of faith, according to our text, is love. And, the, and other scriptures in the Bible back that up. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with what? Punishment. So I disagree that fear is the opposite of faith. In fact, fear is a form of faith. Fear is just faith in the wrong things. So, what is fear? Fear is placing faith in the what ifs. What if this bad thing happens? It's really said, if at all, what if something good happens? What if something great happens? Except for the people who buy Ohio lottery tickets, who say, What if I win? I'll surely tithe and give to the church, Pastor. Can I say, doing the lottery ticket thing or any other form of gambling is like putting your money in a bag with a hole in it. It's very unwise. If you're spending 10 or $20 on lottery tickets, brothers and sisters, give it to God. Give it to God. It's like putting your money in a bag with a hole in it. So with the exception of the lottery ticket buyers, Most people really think, what if something good happens? Most people think, what if something bad happens? Fear places faith in the bad what-ifs of life. Moses was very guilty of this in the Old Testament. Now, we've picked on Moses a lot in the last few weeks, so let's keep going, okay? When God called Moses to deliver the people of Israel, what is interesting is God appeared to Moses in a burning bush that was not consumed. If God spoke to you in the midst of a burning bush that was not consumed, that would get your attention, right? That would totally get your attention. And God says, I'm going to use you to deliver my people. And in Exodus 4 verse 1, we see Moses playing the what if game. Moses says, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? So here it is. God is going to be with Moses. We just saw the whole scripture play out. He's going to be with Moses and he's playing the what if game. That's the game that most of us play. What if the economy drops? What if I lose my job? What if I lose my health? What if my kids get hurt? What if they ask me to do something that I'm not comfortable with? What if I step out of my comfort zone? And on and on and on it goes. We play the what if game. Fear is placing faith in the what ifs of life. So let me pause for a moment and ask a really important question. Why do your what ifs matter why do your what ifs matter so let's move into two thoughts and i hope this will alter your perspective and it will change your life first thought is your what ifs matter because what you fear reveals what you value the most what you fear reveals what you value the most. For example, if you fear losing your marriage, that shows that you really value your marriage, which is not a bad thing. If you fear something happening to your children, it shows that you really value your children. Again, that's not a bad thing. If you fear losing your job or losing your money, what what you value is financial security, what you value is financial stability, and that's not a bad thing. But, what you fear reveals what you value the most. Second thought, what you fear is where you trust God the least. What you fear reveals what you value the most and it reveals what you trust God the least. For example, if you really if you're really worried for your marriage, then you're not trusting God with your marriage. If you're really worried about your children, then you're not trusting God to protect your children. And what, and, 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 and what your worry and fear is saying is, I don't really believe that God's plan and purpose is good enough for my children or for my marriage. And so I will contribute by worrying and being afraid as if that's going to do any good, right? But that's, my contribut- that's what I'm going to contribute. I'm going to contribute my worry to God's plan. If you don't trust God with your financial well-being, you are basically saying, God, I really don't trust you to provide for me. Because what you fear is where you trust God the least. So let's really be honest before God and answer this question. I'm not trusting God with what? You fill in the blanks. I'm not trusting God with what? What is that? Your children, younger or older, your future, your health. I'm not trusting God with someone that I love. I'm not trusting God with my aged, aging parents, whatever it is. I'm not trusting God with you fill in the what? Be honest, be open with God. In the last part of this message, I want to look at how do we biblically face the what-ifs of fear. Let's look at two thoughts. The first one is acknowledging your fear. Whatever it is, I encourage you to, to honestly acknowledge it and choose to trust God. And no matter what it is, I encourage you, make a conscious choice to trust the God of the universe What I'm not saying is that you're going to brush off that fear. You're not going to sweep that fear under the carpet and ignore it and stick your head in a spiritual bucket of sand and pretend nothing's happening. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to be honest and confront our fear this morning. And that can be done in two stages. You and I need to do what we can do in our power And do in our power, and do what is effectively, uh, what, what, what do what we can effectively minimise in the risk. All right, do what we can do in our power that we can effectively minimise the risk. Now, beyond that, we need to make a choice with every bit of faith that we have, and say, God, I trust you to be faithful. So let's look at an example from scripture. But before that, let me give you some context. Now, in the Old Testament, David was anointed to be the future king over Israel. The present king was King Saul, who was very threatened by this up-and-coming young man called David. So much so that Saul started to despise David, and King Saul ordered that David be hunted down and killed. Now, a lot of times we hear this or we read this in the Bible and we think, yep, yeah, yeah, David was on the run and that was some sort of sinister hide-and-seek game and we sort of let it go at that. But this morning, put yourself in David's shoes. Put yourself in David's place, all right? Think about it as being you and that president, the President of the United States, Joe Biden, has said, I want you dead. I want you dead, and every force in this country is coming after you. That was what david 's reality was was about. every force under king Saul in the, in the, in the nation and the kingdom of Israel was after David. So what did david do psalm fifty six we get a glimpse of of this where david a glimpse of where David was living, we get a glimpse of david 's mindset in verse in verses two to four he says, "My slanderers pursue me all day long." So right here we get an insight into david 's reality and the situation it 's every day they 're after him, day and night, looking for him, searching for him, and he says, "Many are attacking me in their pride." Then we see David's honesty. He says, when I am afraid. In other words, sometimes it's just too much. And it's my prayer this morning that you would embrace David's example. He says, when I am afraid about losing my kids, when I am afraid about my future, when I am afraid about my job and my my financial prospects, when I am afraid, he says, I will trust in you. I will trust in you. By faith, I choose to put my trust in God, David says. Whenever I'm afraid, I make a choice. And my choice is you, God. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? I choose to trust God. I put my faith in him. What can mortal man do? do to me. Now, quite honestly, if we look at this and say, what can mortal man do to him? Let's answer that. Mortal man could kill him. Mortal man could capture him. Mortal man could torture him, imprison him and make his life miserable. But David went from thinking about the temporary, his life on earth. And he shifted gears into an eternal perspective. And he is saying, even if my worst what if comes to pass, ultimately, if I choose to trust in God, holding nothing back, what can mortal man do to hurt me eternally? Nothing. Nothing. Then suddenly my worst what if pales into comparison to the goodness of God. So my challenge to you this morning is be open, be honest, be transparent before God, acknowledge what it is. God, here is my greatest fear and I choose to trust you no matter what. In my life, the further I get away from God, the more I'm afraid of the what-ifs in this world. But the closer I am to God, The more I trust him and the less I fear the things in this world. So I'm asking you to acknowledge it and say, God, I choose to trust you no matter what. The second thought in this paradigm of I quit living in fear is to seek God until he takes away your fears. Seek him in his word until he takes away your fears. Seek him through prayer. Seek him in your faith community. Have people pray for you. Seek after God day and night until he takes away your fears. Psalm 34 verse 4 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all fears. Let's take a moment and pause And think about that verse for a moment. I sought God and he delivered me. He removed, he took away, not the circumstances, but the fear. There is no fear that holds me hostage anymore, the psalmist is saying. He removed every fear that I have. I sought God and he delivered me from my fears. John Wesley said these words. He said, I have Never known more than 15 minutes of anxiety or fear. Whenever I feel fearful emotions overtake me, I just close my eyes and thank God that he is still on the throne, reigning over everything. And I take comfort in his control over the affairs of my life. What a great quote that is. Whenever I feel fear, I just close my eyes And remind myself that God is on the throne. And you can do the same thing this morning, beloved, whenever you start to feel fear. You and I need to seek and invite God to come between us and our fear. And not let fear come between us and God. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. God has not given you a spirit of fear. That is not from God. Do not accept it. Do not resign yourself to it. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Beth Moore, who is a prolific author and writer of Bible studies for women, and who is an Anglican, by the way, she's an Anglican deacon. She wrote a book years ago called So Long Insecurity, You've Been a Bad Friend to Us. In this book, she wrote about her greatest what-if fear. Now, I'll probably butcher her story, but basically she was so afraid of losing her husband, Keith, she was always consumed with fear. What if I lose him? How can I go on? As she talked and prayed this through with God about this fear she was in bondage to, she felt like she had entered into a conversation with God where God started to walk her through the possible journey. The burning question to God was, what if I lose my husband? And she felt God reply with, what if? She thought, well, I'll lose him. I'll go numb. And the next uh, few days, my friends will have to come and uh, come over and help me get ready for the funeral. And I will just have to get through that and God said yeah and then what and she thought well then I'll probably won't get dressed for a month and I'll just sit at home and cry and cry and cry and she felt God say yeah and then what and she she thought well then I'll probably won't be able to get dressed for another month and I'll just sit at home and cry and cry and cry and I'll miss him and I'll be devastated. And then she felt God say, and then what? And she said, I'll probably start to seek you and you would be faithful and you would help me go on in life. And God said, exactly, exactly. Go down the lists of your what ifs. What if this happens? What if I lose a child? What if I lose my job? What if the economy goes belly up? What if... This or that happens. Well, you might go through a difficult time. But what can mortal man do to you when you fully entrust yourself into the hands of God? Because what you fear the most reveals what you value the most. And what you fear reveals where you trust God the least. God has not given us a spirit of fear, beloved, But of power, of love, and of a sound mind. But what if, but what if, if you know God and if you continue to seek Him, He will help sustain you. Because if you truly know Him, guess what happens? Guess what? You have nothing to fear in this earth. Satan, the enemy of your soul, wants you to be in in bondage to fear. But God wants to set you free. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love and power and of a sound mind. So let's bow our heads and let's pray to God this morning. Father God, we ask that in your presence you would set us free from the bondage of fear. That you are showing us that what we fear is where we trust you the least. And we know that without faith, it is impossible to please you. And we want to please you this morning, God. God, help us to put our faith not in what we want, but in who you are. God, help us to trust you with our greatest what-ifs. Help us to trust you in your goodness, in your grace. Trust you in your sovereignty. To trust you in your love for us. That you would carry us through our greatest what-ifs. And I pray that there would be no one held in bondage to all the things that we fear. These things that will never happen. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.